Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Iconic Womanhood Podcast. Today, I have a very special friend, lady, woman, inspiration. Let me tell you, when I tell you the whole story, you'll understand. Uh, And she is here, and she's going to share with us some understanding around money and around business. And actually, I'm going to say she's also going to give us some understanding around guts and what uh, they say what do they, how do they pronounce it? Chutzpah, chutzpah, <laughs> right? Is that what they say? Because I'm going to read her bio first, and then I'm going to tell you how I personally have come to know her and how she has inspired me. But her bio is worth reading, so I'm going to read it to you. And uh, Shyla Burney has spent a 20-plus year, okay, professional, a 20-plus year professional career working closely with leading organizations and exceptional talents to create solutions that address disparities through investment in human capital. Her superpower is connecting. I can testify. Okay. I can testify. She spent a year sourcing investors for a startup that culminated in a $5 million term sheet. And she spent that time mentoring and rising founders of color. Through that, she was able to see firsthand some of the challenges that diverse entrepreneurs face getting access to capital and the resources that they needed to grow and scale their companies. And as a result, she founded, in response to that need, the Zane Venture Fund. It was a seed fund. It is a seed fund that would invest in underrepresented founders with the goal of closing the funding gap. Let me just say that one more time. With the goal of closing the funding gap and generating high return for investors and also Zane Access, which provides early early stage companies led by diverse teams access to cross-functional experts, resources, best practices, and customized content critical to accelerating growth. Zane Access recently launched the Pre-Capital Program, a program designed to support founders in capital readiness. And now you can tell why I had to have her on because I serve a lot of women across the world who have entrepreneurial desires and whether they are early stage or they've launched or we're in the hustle stage or the dream stage, you know, this discussion around capital is so critical because so many of us don't get the capital we need. And as a result, these businesses don't grow and thrive. And the second reason I had to have Shyla on is that chutzpah that I explained earlier, because when I met her, ah. Oh, Gosh, I met her at the gathering spot here in Atlanta. She's just this warm, kind soul. like, And she is truly a connector. She's that one in the restaurant. As I'm talking to Shyla, she's like, hey, girl, hi, hey, ha, hi, hey, ha. She's saying <laughs> hi to everyone that's coming by because she's just that heart-centered. And when she asks you to do something, you have no choice but to say yes, right? Because she just has that, so, so much of that energy. Shyla, I am so excited to have you on. Can the crowd just go wild? <laughs> we have this amazing person on who has done something in response to a need, created something viable. I saw it from an idea in your mind, 
And here you are. You have done, you've done it, girl. I've done it. I'm doing Ooh. it. <laughs> that, that, that alone is worth everything. You're doing it. Welcome, Shyla, to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast. We're so excited to have you on. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Ekne. And I really appreciate you. I mean, I'm sure your ladies are already aware of who you are and how fierce you are in your womanhood. And so I really appreciate you having me on. You're such a beautiful spirit. And I have to say this, I have a lot of friends with podcasts and, and, and platforms, and you're the only one who's invited me. So while I've been around the world talking on podcasts, you know, I so appreciate you, my sister, inviting me to be a part of your community. That is really, really special to me. Oh my gosh. I have to give me their names. Let me call them and say, what are y'all doing? Get it together. Okay. No, because it's really an, and I think because I know your early story. Right. And, and why I think it's so remarkable, because there's so many women when I met you and I'd love you to tell us your story, because, yes, you have had a lot of incredible experience, but specifically starting a fund. Right. I mean, even when you were like, like when we hear it, it sounds so big. Right. Like who starts venture capital funds? <laughs> Who looks like us? <laughs> yes. At the end, who does that? Right. And right. you had this brilliant idea. You saw a need and you said, I'm starting a VC fund and I want to support these sorts of entrepreneurs. And I remember when you were telling me the idea and we were just kind of talking about it and now you've done it. So tell us about your journey. Like, why did you feel it was so important to start it? How did you get started? How did you get here? Sure. So after uh, 20 plus years working for large organizations, primarily nonprofits, um, I decided to transition to my own company in 2018. I had been an entrepreneur all my life, always a side hustle, never a main hustle. And so I decided, you know, I've, I've put bets on everyone else. I'm going to bet on myself this time and I'm going to start my own company. So I started a company called the Bernie Experience, where I would support small businesses and nonprofits through project management, organizational support, that sort of thing. And I started out like gangbusters. I had about six clients on day one. And so I was really happy about that work, but it felt like work. And so when someone um, in March, 2018 um, came to me and said, could you help source investors for a startup that was based in Cote d'Ivoire? And it was a FinTech company. And I went, absolutely, what do you need me to do? And so I jumped in head first and decided I'm going to go out and try to raise money for this person. I don't know them that well. I don't know the industry. Venture was new to me, but you know, I'm a curious person. I'm always trying to learn something. So let me see what I can do. So while managing one company and also taking on this new responsibility, I got really, really excited about, first of all, there's a lot of money out there in the market and we just were not getting that money. So I, you know, spent seven months talking to a lot of folks about this potential deal and, um, you know, got a lot of no's, but I found that people were always willing to talk to me, you know, no matter what, like they would, re they were willing to introduce me to someone else who could possibly help me with the deal. And so after seven months, we were, we got a $5 million letter of intent with the potential of up to $100 million because they wow. really wanted to uh, revolutionize Ghana's financial systems. And so, you know, while we're waiting for due diligence, um, my daughter and I are impacted by gun violence here in the city, where we're driving through the neighborhood over on Metropolitan Parkway. I was in the suburbs at the time, took a shortcut. And um, 
we were caught up in gunfire. Someone was shooting at 9.40 in the morning. I was on my way to the gathering spot actually for another meeting. Oh my God. And, um, and so she's, she's fine. Let me just say that first before I dive into the story. But um, people are shooting at each other 9.30 in the morning. And you know we're impacted by that. Um, and so it's the most traumatic moment in my life at that time to have my daughter hit by gun violence in a community that I have always served marginalized communities. And so once we were dealing with that, I, I'm looking around at that community. It's been venture redlined for decades. Nobody is spending any money over there. So you have homeowners who've been in that community for 30 years and then you hmm. have crime that's festering because there are no jobs, there's nothing. So I'm sitting having my conversation with my daughter about you know, everything that's happening. And then we get, um, a call from the investor who decides to drop out of the deal. He was gonna invest in hotels instead. And that's mm -hmm. a problem for me. And so I decided, you know, I've learned about the money in the market. I've learned about all of these great uh, diverse entrepreneurs. Why don't I start my own fund? And so I'm sitting with my daughter and she was like, why don't you do that? Wow. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna name it after Oprah, Harriet Tubman, all the strong women, Michelle Obama. And I look across at my daughter who's sitting there who's just been impacted by gun violence telling me to move forward with my work. And I'm like, oh, whoa, I'm gonna name the fund after my daughter. So the fund is named after my daughter. Her name is Danae, it's, it, we feminize it, it's Zane. And so I decided I, I, at the time it was a $10 million fund that I was gonna raise. Um, so 2019 spent time in a lot of rooms where I was the only black woman where they were talking about $200 billion funds. Mm. And I'm going, you know what? I, I don't see me in this room, but I know I belong here. I don't feel inferior at all. So right. I just decided, you know, to continue being in those rooms, get as educated as I could around venture. Um, and then this past November, uh, 2019 is when I launched the fund. And, um, and, and I don't know if you know this, but I had been being mentored by uh, an older white man here, Sig Mosley, who is yeah. a very influential investor in town. Yeah. So once I decided to launch the fund, I needed credibility on my side. And so I invited Sig to come on as a venture partner. This is a man known for saying no to everybody, no to deals, no to whatever. But he said yes to me. And so I take that as God's hand over me saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure I put all these things in place for you yeah. so that you can be successful. So we are on the precipice of our first close. It, wow. Just a year later. And so I, I am really excited about that. We're trying to do an initial close of a few million dollars so that we can deploy that capital to some companies that are already waiting for us. So yes, from the moment you and I talk, things have just gone gangbusters in the last um, nine to 10 months, almost a year. Wow. I am so, you see, I, you guys can't see this on the podcast, but I have my pom-poms, my gold pom-poms that I'm shaking for Shyla because that's amazing. You went from... So let's, I want to follow the, the, the breadcrumbs because sometimes when you're listening to people and they're doing amazing things, you don't see how they got there, even when they tell their story. So I like to highlight it, right? You were doing really well, but you had this opportunity that was a stretch opportunity because it was stuff you hadn't done before. Right. But you had to answer, you know, it was passionate. It was purposeful for you, but that was your breadcrumb opportunity. That was what led you down this road here. You had that. And then you had this moment of awareness where you were directly impacted by this statement. You said the, the fact that you were in a venture redlined area. Isn't that huge? Like there are areas that are dying because no one's putting any money into it. 
and as a result, you guys were driving through there. And thank God, your beautiful daughter, and I've had the privilege of meeting her, is well and whole and healthy. But there are people who die because the neighborhood is dying. Right, right. Right, and right. that, that the, uh, the culmination of your experience of this new experience of answering, saying yes to an opportunity that presented itself and dealing with the reality around our community birthed this desire within you. And thank God you have this tenacity within you, right? You have the ability and you have a natural, there's something you could do a masterclass. And I think you might want to think about that. Like <laughs> the art of the ass, because when Shyla asks you, you're like, okay, <laughs> you know, and, and you, you know, you understood what needed to be done and you just systematically did it and focused. And now you are, you know, launching and, and not just launching, supporting so many different entrepreneurs. So you, I know you guys just had an, um, a graduation of sorts. Do you want to share kind of what that was and sure. what you did there? And, and I'll talk about Zane Access a little bit too, just to, yes. to kind of give everyone a picture. So there's Zane Venture Fund, which is the fund where we will directly invest into companies. And then Zane Access, which is our programmatic arm, where we are investing through programs and services and resources. And so when I first started talking to entrepreneurs, I realized some of them didn't need capital, that they needed resources. They needed to be um, so, you know, in sort of a 360 environment where they're getting everything they need to build and scale their company. So that's where Zane Access was, was born. And that's when you, you, know, you participated in one of our events, the Founders mm -hmm. Roadmap Forum, where we were talking about resources for entrepreneurs. So the program was a 12-week capital readiness program where we took 15 companies, which is a lot, through 12 weeks of programming around different um, functional areas in their business. So it could have been your go-to-market strategy, you know, how, you know, closing the deal with investors, right? And not just venture, but, you know, there's crowdfunding, there are all other alternative investing models out there, revenue funding and that sort of stuff. And so, so 12 weeks and, you know, the idea was that they would be able to have their business, um, in a way that they could succinctly talk to an investor about where they are in their company and who, which investor they should be talking to. Mm -hmm. And so before our program even it ended, we already, three companies had already received capital. That's a huge that. win, that right? Is. And one of, those, one of those companies that will be in Walmart and Target on their shelves soon, they are a hair care company um, focused on black boys. Nobody is focused on black boys wow. in their Wow. And I'm so proud of them. And so, you know, they're getting, they're, I think they're going to close on a million dollar round soon. So it's, we're getting that kind of feedback from our program. So we're going to do it again. We're renaming it to raise to make it very simple. That is all about raising, whether it's from venture or whatever type of form of capital and um, an entrepreneur is looking for. But that. we've also taken that a step further, um, Ekene, and now we're at, we have Zane Access University because we're trying to get into the pipeline earlier with mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. So our first event is with Brown University. Um, where we have an amazing, we're going to do a design-a-thon with university entrepreneurs around a particular topic. So we found that people don't start thinking about being an entrepreneur as soon as they become an adult. These people are, I have a young girl who started her company at 17 years old and is now about to graduate college and is wondering, can I do my, my company full-time or do I have to go take a job? Mm -hmm. So we got to get in earlier and ensure these folks, you can run your company. You don't have to go work for someone else if you don't want to. Yeah. So, yeah. So that is our program, programmatic arm supporting the ecosystem as well. 
I love it. It's so powerful, you know, the different, and I'm glad that you detailed them so people know what the different opportunities are, whether it's to come to look at Ray's or to start looking at the university. And, and you're really changing the game because one of the things that for me, I found, and one of the reasons why this podcast is near and dear to my heart it is open to everyone to listen to, but you know, I focus on diaspora wisdom, women across the diaspora, because some of our experiences, we just haven't had the experiences, right? So a 17 year old who grew up in a certain background doesn't even see herself as a natural entrepreneur, but someone who grew up in a background where they've been raising capital and living, it's natural to her. So some, we just haven't had a lot of those experiences. So we don't even know that these are opportunities available to us. And the work that you're doing is really changing that, changing the conversation, changing the narrative, and ultimately changing the experiences that we have. You know, I can see the direct connection between the work you're doing and these uh, neighborhoods where they're gunfire, right? So there's a direct correlation. So it's really powerful. I'd love to ask you, um, since you mentioned the work that you're doing with uh, Zane Access and Ray's and, and the university, I know you've probably come across a lot of women entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? And what are some of the challenges like that you find that we, maybe it's a mindset or what do we need to know around raising capital or getting ready to raise capital? Right. Right. So, and I'll say this, the majority of our um, core were women entrepreneurs. So I'll just put that out there, which means, and women are starting businesses at record numbers. Um, And so I think the biggest thing is confidence. You know, I was on a pitch competition. um, This was a West Coast Series A, which is where people are raising lots of money. And this woman came on um, and, you know, she didn't have her financials on. So uh, one of the other investors really chastised her about her financials. And so she was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so when I got to her, I was like, you know, sure, have your financials next time, but don't come with all that. I'm sorry. Men come here and not have all their stuff together. And the last thing they're going to do is apologize. And so I said to her, you know, say, you know, just say you got it and you'll have it the next time. That's all you need to say. Don't go on an apology tour. And so we got to deal with this confidence factor. I know what I don't know. And I'm good at saying, I don't know anything about that, right? But I can surround myself with the people who do. Mm. And so you, p- women just need to be sure about what they know and walk in that confidence in that. You know, we, people talk a lot about um, um, imposter syndrome. And I'm like, why are we embracing that? You know, I, you know, mm walk into things you know, right? I know that I'm meant to be in this room. So some other person in the room trying to make me feel inferior or whatever, that's on them. I'm gonna focus on why I'm here and try to get everything out of it while I'm in that room. So I think that's one of the biggest things is the confidence. Ooh. And so we had we had one of our first meetings, I had a guy who had raised over 400 something million dollars come in and talk to them. I'm, I'm like, you need to be the first one because he had shared with me what he had saw when um, diverse entrepreneurs that came and talked to them, they were never confident about their own business. Hmm. You know, it was, I think, you know, we may be doing this. So he came in and kind of kicked it off. Like you need to step into, you need to be very sure about mm-hmm. yourself when you're talking to these investors. White boys go in and say, we got a billion dollar idea. It's on a napkin. What do y'all want to do? You want to write a check or not? Exactly. And they check, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They're just that bold without having done a thing. But women who have are so educated, have done the work, still feel somewhat, you know, um, 
like they don't have you don't have to have everything you know mm. i i question my i'm not i'm not, I'm not um, beating on women like because i've done this very yeah. I very early on myself you know until other people began to say to me no shyly you got it i'm like no i'm missing something all i need is my confidence and belief that i'm here for my purpose what i don't have i can make sure i get that through some other means another person or whatever i'll go learn it whatever i need to do but I, I think it. that's one of the biggest thing. It's not because they don't have great products or great ideas or anything like that. You know, women, especially black women are very smart and very capable. You that's know, right. We just need to walk in there knowing that. I love that. That was so big, right? And even when you said, why are we embracing imposter syndrome? It's such a, I feel like, hello, title of the podcast, stop <laughs> embracing imposter syndrome. Because, you know, it's interesting because I we were just talking about the idea of naming it to tame it, mm. right? So you name it to tame it, but what we have been inadvertently doing that you just called attention to is naming it and claiming it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome. And you just keep claiming it and you stay stuck in that. But what we need to do, can we have a little church moment, <laughs> is tame it. Mm -hmm. Like you had it, now you're letting it go. Right. And you're stepping fully into the the persona, like you said, that can carry this business. And I think that is huge, right? Mm -hmm. The confidence and the boldness to say, no matter, I don't have to be perfect. I just have to be present. And my presence is enough to take this to the next level. Right. I love it. The confidence exactly. is huge. Is there anything else that you think that we need to be thinking about or in order to be ready? Um, in terms of, you know, your business itself, it, like there are certain things you, 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 confidence can only get us so far, right? In the conversation, they're going to peel back layers in your business, yeah. you know? And so that's why we wanted to, we're basically de-risking investments with what we're doing. Mm. So having, and I'm not, I'm not trying to sell our program to anybody. Find a program if you need to get in. Go ahead, Shyla, sell, sell, baby, <laughs> sell. That's okay. Go ahead. So, so, because I think people don't understand like investors, first of all, they're human too. Yeah. They don't have some special power. They just have a checkbook. That is it. So the goal is to make sure your business is tight. Like all those holes that, that, that we could tend, we tend to have, you know, um, for whatever reason, like this woman not having the financials. And this wasn't a black woman. This was a white woman who didn't have her financials, you know, so take that and go back. Now she, now she knows she needs to have her financials in it. So I'm just saying, whatever you're, if you got a pitch deck, which is what we typically look at, make sure it includes those things that are very important, you know, um, your, your traction, who your customer base is. Do you have revenue? And if you don't have revenue, what's your plan to get to revenue? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Unfortunately, we don't have the privilege of saying, you know, I have an idea and you're going to write a check for me. And that is, I mean, that's so sad because there are some brilliant ideas out there that people have, but we have to come with a whole lot more than that. Yeah. And so whatever your company is, you know, the financial piece is the biggest part of what an investor is going to look at because we're out to make money. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're hoping that you are out to make money as well. And so making sure your financials are um, showing some type of growth is the biggest thing. You know, if you are not looking at scaling your company and I mean, scaling it fast, don't look at venture capital at all because mm -hmm. that's what is that's what it's aiming to do. Um, there are other sources of capital. Um, I always tell people, look for grants first before you even think about a loan or anything like that. Look for free money. There are lots of sources out there. And so um, so that's the biggest thing I think, like keep if, if you're gonna be looking at investors like a venture fund, we're gonna peel back your business, 
We're going to peel back the layers and look under the hood to make sure what you're saying and what you, you've offered to us as an investment is actually true. So that's the other piece of it. Um, just making sure you said what you're going to do, you do it. And, and it reflects in your, in our case of pitch deck is what we tend to look at. That's excellent. And, you know, when you were saying, when you were talking just now, I was thinking about uh, a conversation I had with a young woman who, this was back in Nigeria, I was, I was speaking, I was teaching, and she was telling me uh, about her business. And I asked her a numbers question, and she started to give me an impact response. So I asked her a numbers question about, well, how much revenue are you looking to make this year? And, and some of this is cultural, right? And she started telling me, well, we're going to touch this many lives and yada, yada, yada. And I said, oh, that's great. But we, when people want a numbers response, give them a numbers response, get comfortable talking about numbers. And I had to have this conversation because culturally, so many of us are conditioned not to speak the language of value. And so we have a hard time saying things like, well, we're going to make this much uh, in money, you know, this much revenue and this, these numbers. And even for me, I had to train my tongue in a sense, right? To be able to wrap my, let me speak with my, you, my Nigerian will come out now, right? <laughs> to be able to say, you know, millions, to be able to say it like, you know, because sometimes it's heavy on your tongue, like, wait a minute, right? right? So you have to sort of get comfortable with the language pitch deck and all. And that's why these programs that you have are valuable because when you start moving into a new area, right? Because you have to think about scaling, even if you're not like, right, right. you have to think about these things. So that's why I was like, please go ahead and sell. Cause I'm all about letting people know. Cause to me, it's really service. You're letting people know how you can provide a service for our community that we need. Right, right. And so, and this is one of the things where, you know, um, I'll say this, another part that we look for is, is uh, your TAM, which is a, your total addressable market. Mm. Um, and that scares a lot of people sometimes because they think, oh, well, my market is not that great. We had a young lady, she, she ended up becoming a part of our program when we first talked to her. She was like, my market size is only one to two million. I'm like, that's, that's nothing, you know. And so when she applied for a program, she put a number in there, said five billion. And I said, we need to peel back that number. Where did you get that number from? You can't just grab a number out of that. That, mm. that takes research, finding out what your total addressable market is. And then what size of that market that you plan to take. Because um, when investors, they're trying to say, you know, they know you're not going to take, if your market is $500 billion, we don't expect you to, to corner that entire market. We just want to know what your slice of market share is that. This is what I need Black women to understand. People think we have niche markets. That is absolutely a good thing because not only do we have, with these markets, we also have a consumer base. Mm -hmm. There is $4 trillion being left on the table because mm -hmm. investors have not invested in people of color, diverse mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. And, and, and the special part about that four trillion isn't that you know, your business could make four trillion, is that you have a built-in consumer base who will buy your product. So there's a young woman who came through our program, her product, his, her company is called Ethnic District. She's focused on bringing um, in, uh, foods from Africa to people here in the US. People think that's niche, right? It's African food. There is a large population of Africans here in the US. And so she can really make some money once she, and I set her up with a, um, a mentor who's on the West Coast who understands her market. This girl is gonna be successful because she's already got the, um, where she can get the product from. That's not the problem. It's just scaling the company. So, so, I, so I say all that to say, you may have something that you think is so small and it's only a one to two, 
do your research. I bet you it's, it's probably a billion dollars in there somewhere. If you think about who you're marketing to and how big that market is, hmm. um, you know, so that's, I think we sell ourselves short when we think, oh, we just, I just have a little small idea. It isn't, it's not going to make, it'll make me one or two million. I'm not looking to make one or two. We're talking billions of dollars here. And you can actually do that. That's okay. possible. I love it. I'm sitting here and I'm getting my napkin out next because I, even as you're talking, I'm like, okay, billion dollar idea is flowing from within me. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear this. And I love that you've, you've kind of broken it down. The total addressable market, your, you know, the capital readiness, all of these things are so critical. And I, I'm glad at the end of this, you're going to share with us how people can reach out to you and, mm -hmm. and find out more. But before we do that, I'd love to kind of hear more from you as a woman, as a, as an entrepreneur, because you're an entrepreneur who is helping entrepreneurs, right? You're in this thing to make money. You're, you know, so you're a leader who's leading, but what is your, tell us about what you've learned through this process, both about yourself, but also about the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So, and, and it's interesting because I'm dealing with this even today. I, I'm a, I'm such a giver, right? I will give, give, give until I have nothing left. And so like, I can't bring that into business. That's okay on a personal, you know, and even that has to have balance. And so I was giving away a lot of my time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll appear here. Yes, I'll show up there. And um, I realized that, you know, there's only so much you can do. And so mm -hmm. my team is trying to get, like, people were asking me via email, go share this. Can you, can you highlight this? And I, I don't have a problem with it, but they're like, Shyla, you, you, you got LP meetings as LP or limited partners. If people will invest in my fund, you have LP meetings this week. You don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. And so I've had to learn. And, and my husband just was giving me something that Warren Buffett said about some of the most successful uh, people, those who learn how to say no. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, no, but I don't want to say no. So I, that is something that I've had to learn. I've also learned that I, in terms of talent, people working with me, I, I, I've realized what kind, I'm not a manager at all. I've never been a manager. I've always been someone who, you know, I can delegate and you get it done and bring it back when you're done, that sort of stuff. That's how I manage. I've always been a leader in an organization. So it's now I have to manage people. And so I'm having my husband coach me, who's always been a manager, on how to manage people because I realize hmm. I bring people in close too early and give you everything you need. But then when I have, I have high expectations and folks can't deliver on it, then I'm like, oh, well, they're not gonna work out. Well, that's not a way to operate. Everything needs to take time. I need to take time to form these relationships with people. I need to, people have to prove themselves out, right? You have to, I can't just say here, take half my company and you've not even done anything. So I've learned that about me and, and it, it's not things you like to face about yourself because you feel like you have it together. Mm -hmm. But I've had to take a step back and say, okay, I need someone to manage talent. I don't have time. And apparently, not that I'm not good at it. It's just how I do it. It's not, it's not working right now. So I need to learn a little bit. Um, and so, so even though I'm a woman of a certain age, it doesn't mean that I know it all. I'm still learning about how, you know, to manage talent and how to manage my time. Mm -hmm. You know, so those are some things that have really come out um, in this entire process you know, I thought I had it all together. Yes, I can say yes, do it all. And well, no, you yes. can't. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah. We all have our limits. And we those are really great le learnings, really great learnings that I think all of us can take from no matter 
what part of what business we're doing, right? We have our limits, we have to respect that. And then this idea that you may be amazing at this other thing, like you're great at this, but this leading and managing, I love that you were able to lean on your husband to receive from Mm -hmm. him. That alone is another thing, right? So you can lean on a man sometimes, right? That's that's helpful. Yes, it's great to have a partner, right? That's awesome. So I, I feel like we've received so much, but I want to be respectful of your time because we could talk for hours and we have in the past. Uh, and I would love to do that again next time I meet you over drinks or something. But right now I want to honor your time and thank you so much for what you have shared because even I feel richer coming out of this conversation. But I want to ask you two questions that I ask every woman. All right. Are you ready for the questions? Sure. Okay. First, number one is what makes you iconic? Mm. And then number two is name one iconic person you admire and why? Wow. What makes, I don't even think of myself as iconic, believe it or not. I I, I do, I just do. I mean, I'm- I'm I'm putting the crown on you right now, icon. For the crown, I'm (laughs) sure that sometimes I cannot, like I don't, I don't, what makes me iconic, I guess, is the fact that I've been knocked down. I'm not supposed to be here. Let me just say that right now. My life past, you're not going to make me cry. Go ahead. My life past does not dictate me being in this space right now. Hmm. In 2002, I had a dream. Um, We were having sort of, you know, we were just planning to move to Atlanta and I was having this dream. And in the dream, this woman said to me, God told me to tell you he's getting ready to raise you up. Man. I have searched for that for 18 years, Ekene. Which is it? This new job is that the new raise me up? Is it? Is it this new thing that's gonna raise me up? Wow. What I don't, I don't even know if it's this thing that what he said. But I have, I have kept that so close to my heart. So I've fallen down. I've gotten up. I've been beaten up. I've been shredded. I've been, you know, all, you know, anything that you can think of. But I'm here today. And so if, if that makes, so if, if being, if, if we're going to define me as iconic, is that the fact that I've been through the hell and the fire and I can yeah. sit right here before you guys and say that I am okay. You know, yeah. I am so blessed and fortunate for what God has put in my life. Yeah. And so that's what makes me iconic. The fact that I can still be here today. Oh, I love it. I love it. I couldn't have asked for a better response because when I think about the word iconic, an icon is a woman who's inspirational who's courageous and confident, who is original and who understands that she's necessary. That's why I said you're an icon. And the fact that you've come through so much to be here, so many women are going to listen to this. And I believe just by this, your podcast episode, they're going to be set free. They're going to be set free. So hallelujah for raising you up. I was about to break into song, but I'm just going to hold back. I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold back. <laughs> I didn't mention the woman, though. And yes, so go ahead. That I and my, my, my family laughs at me, right? Because I'm like, I know that I'm an in, in incarnate of, of Harriet Tubman. They're like, no, you're not. Especially wow. when I did 23 and me, and I came back as more European than African. I was like, <laughs> oh, no. I admire her, even though people are like, well, she didn't really rescue that many people. I don't care how many people she did. The fact that she did what she did in a time where she should have been dead. That's right. I admire her about that. So that's the kind of fight I always want to have in me. Even if it's just that I bring a small people along with me. Yeah. Right. Um, So that's the person that is, my fun was almost named Harriet Tubman fun. Oh, I love (laughs) it. I can see it. 
Yes, but that's you are doing that, right? Because you know how to raise money. And you could have just raised money for a business for yourself. Absolutely. But Absolutely. you decided to create a pathway for a whole community, a whole people, a whole race. Can we just again let me get my pom poms? Hold on a second. Hold, ah! I am so, so excited and proud and, and honored to have this moment with you to share what you've been doing with the world. I am just moved, honestly. I can't really fully express it in words. You've given us so much in just a short amount of time. I'm kind of blown away at how powerful it was. I'm sure that uh, the ladies, they will send you messages. But before we go, tell us how we can follow up with you, how we can learn from you. What do you have coming through the pipeline that will help women position themselves specifically for investors and, and growing their business and raising their businesses? So our, our next, so you can reach me, um, we're zane.vc, that's our website. We're Zane Venture Fund on all of the platforms. Okay. If you want to reach out to me directly, I'm Shyla at Zane, S-H-I-L-A at zane.vc. Um, we have our university program coming up. Anybody can come. It's not just for university students. We're doing it in partnership with the university. Um, and that's going to be online. That's, you can find that at our website as well under Zane Access. Um, we have our next raise program that's going to be next spring. We decided to wait and kind of um, we're going to we're, we're kind of like going through it again and making sure that we do change, make some changes to make to perfect the program. So it'll be in March. We'll start taking applications, I think, in like January or February. OK, um, but yeah, follow us online. You'll see all the amazing content that we're putting out there regarding women entrepreneurs and how we're supporting um, the ecosystem. Awesome. And we will have this in the show notes as well as I, I suspect, Shella, would you, we'd love to have you back on because I'm sure we're going to have more questions and, and I really, I would love to come and see what you're doing and share more about what you're doing because it's so important for women to get the information they need, right? Absolutely. To grow their businesses, get the resources, the grants that you mentioned, getting VC ready, scaling, thinking big, being confident. I mean, what a, what a day, what a moment this is. Shaila, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We will stay in touch. We will stay connected. And I just want to say we're sending you all the love and all the powerful energy because you're doing great work. Come on, come on, Harriet Tubman. Let's send her that Harriet Tubman energy. Go forth and bring them, set us free. Set us free. Thank God you bless so much, you. Ekne. I appreciate it. Thank you, ladies. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Wasn't that such a great session? You know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have Shyla on was to highlight how critical it is for us to answer the needs that we see in the world and how possible it is for you to do a thing that you didn't even think you could do. It's not common for Black women to start venture capital funds, right? It's not common. It's not common for someone who didn't come from that whole MBA world and whatnot. But here she is doing the doggone thing. And you can also do the doggone thing. You should do what you have been called to do. And this is my passion to encourage, to empower, to support women like you who have been called to make changes in the world, to answer a need. You were created to be a help 
me to the world. You are a solution to a problem. So I hope that you have been inspired. I hope that you've been awakened. Stay tuned. If you haven't liked, shared, subscribed to this podcast or left a review, please do so now and stay in our community because we have so much more coming through the pipeline. And of course, remember, we are currently enrolling for the next cohort of the Iconic Woman Mastermind. If you have something within you that you want to bring forth, or you just know that you have a seed of greatness, you have capacity inside of you, potential that is seeking expression, this is the program for you. For eight months, I will work closely with you and 24 other women. We will go on a pilgrimage to your iconic self and you will come forth changed forever. I look forward to connecting with you. If you're interested in learning more about that program, all you have to do is go to iconicwomanmastermind.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you're listening to this show, it probably means you are ready to move from success into significance. Please visit us at iconicwomanhood.com and get a free gift to help you on your journey.